Evolution Radio begins in three, two, one. Evolution is more than a theory. It is a fundamental scientific principle. You know, there's a scientific term for that. It's called baloney. We are so stupid that we think that just because telephones and computers and cars are intelligently designed, that means we are too. Well, we're not. I don't trust that Richard Dawkins. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. It's the only logical explanation, unless you don't want to believe in science and logic. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And this time we actually mean it. This is Wretched Radio with some genuine breaking news that you might be very, very interested in if you are longing for a Bible-based church. But you knew that conjunction was coming, didn't you? Before we get to this huge announcement, it's story time. About a woman who was addicted to pornography. It happens. Until she went to a Bible-based church that seeks to help people move from brokenness to wholeness. The brave soul who wrote this very helpful article that might actually help you if and you have been battling with a besetting sin and not having the victory that you seek. The name is Rin Driver, who was courageous enough to write this. I, quote, accepted Jesus into my heart. That's in quotes for the first time when I was about five years old. At that point, I'd already been affected by sexual sin. Whoa. Sin that would seep deep into my mind and heart as I grew. During my childhood and early teen years, I was addicted to finding any sexually explicit image I could set my eyes on. The electronic tools I had access to made this dark pursuit simple and largely covert. Mom and dad, please note, not trying to scare you. Uh, I'm not sure I'm telling the truth with that statement. Maybe this is intending to scare you. Kids can behave very Christianly when they're around you. They might not be so Christian on the inside. They might look like a Pharisee who's outside of the cup is looking pretty clean, but the inside there are dead men's bones. Now, does this mean you should raise the Spock eyebrow at your child when they get themselves cleaned up for church? Hmm, are you just pretending? No, but... It is worth noting that we have kids inside of Christian churches who don't know the very basics of the Christian faith. I cannot tell you how often I have experienced this myself. Talk to somebody who is even a churchgoer and ask them to explain the gospel and they will fumble the ball. Most times, it's, in fact, I'm really stretching to recall when I said to somebody, hey, can you tell me what the gospel is? And they said, certainly. God is holy, righteous, and just. We're sinful, broken, and fallen. We deserve his temporal and eternal punishment, but God is rich in mercy, sent forth his son, born of a virgin, to live under the law, to redeem those under the curse of the law, that we might be ransomed, forgiven, adopted, and glorified, and not because of what we've done, but because of the work of another Good Friday, it was the payment to God for sinners. Resurrection Sunday, it was God's receipt 
that the debt has been paid. It's it's been a long time since I've heard anybody articulate that. In fact, I think I might have to go back about 20 years and I don't think that I'm my memory could be a little fuzzy. But this is the last time I recall hearing the gospel clearly art Nope, 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 nope. I take that back. We were at the University of Kennesaw and there was a group of kids that were meeting students that were talking about the Bible. And I asked them individually, I got 60 seconds, give me the gospel. And they were able to do it. Okay. So now I remember two times. The point is this story is yet another example of somebody attending church who doesn't get it yet. We continue. Amid my secret rebellion against God and my parents, I attended church each week with my family. I thought I was a Christian because of the decision I made when I was five, but I never prayed or read the Bible outside of church and had no desire to. And then here comes the confession. I never understood the gospel. The truth is, I wasn't a Christian at all. I did know what I was doing was wrong, guilt over my addiction and an awareness of my powerlessness against it dominated my mind. This is what happens to a person who attends a church where the gospel is either never spoken, it is assumed, or it is unclear, or the church never spends the time deeping, diving deeply into the depths of the gospel. And that was the case for this young lady. She writes, I was living a life of shame and hopelessness. <sighs> That should grieve us that we could have people inside of our churches who are living with shame, confessing Christ, and yet living like there is no shame for those who are in Christ Jesus. You shouldn't feel ashamed because you have been redeemed and ransomed and forgiven totally and completely, no matter what it is that you have done. And they're hopeless. Great. The church could be contributing to that statistic. So I often recommitted my life to Christ, thinking my disobedience must stem from my lack of true commitment. With each new resolve, I hoped I'd be able to stop lying to my parents and no longer struggle with putting down the phone. I was an immensely broken child in a church that never discussed sin or the transformative power of the gospel. This pastor seemed to have a perfect life. Now, let's be careful that we don't become one of those pastors. Like, I'm just going to be transparent and blop all over you. But pastors should be willing to confess. Um, I'm like, no, was it? What was the name? I'm only human. Jimmy, you were an 80s DJ, weren't you? <laughs> Not quite. What is the name of that? That's an unbelievably raunchy song yes from the 80s he's admitting he's having an affair and then hey guess what she admits i'm only human too i was sleeping around on you whoop-de-doo and it was a hit a pastor shouldn't be known as one who presents himself as having it entirely together and perfectly sanctified but don't go into the other ditch the congregation dressed and spoke exactly the way you'd expect from perfect christians as far as my young mind could tell i was the only stained one the only corrupted one there seemed to be no escape from my sinful bondage, so I disguised my shame with imitated perfection. I acted like a perfect Christian, hoping someday it would become a reality. Wow. This is from a child who went to church. I think back on this time, and my heart cries out in anguish over what I missed. But when I was 14, 
After many years of attempting and utterly failing to overcome my sin by my own strength, I was finally broken enough to actually surrender my sin to Christ. Guess what happened? She done got invited to a church. During the summer before my first year of college, my high school running coach invited me to join his family at their church. This church was like none of the churches I'd visited. Their stated ministry purpose described exactly what I needed. And when I read this sentence, I, I knew what church she goes to. Here's, here's their slogan. Helping people journey from brokenness to wholeness through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I went, that's Milton Vincent's church in Riverside, California. Why? How do I know this? Because we stole that slogan for our Transform Biblical Counseling Series. I read it and I went, that's it. Furthermore, I know Milton and I know his church and he will be the first to confess to you. He is not a man who has everything perfectly put together, but he's a man who has experienced the depths of the forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ. And he desires, along with some other godly elders, to help people move from brokenness to wholeness. Listen to the results. They helped people journey from brokenness to wholeness. These people had a deep-seated love for the Word of God and an understanding of the practical implications of the gospel that I'd never seen before. This became my church. Through the biblical counseling and discipleship ministry, I had the opportunity to work through the guilt and the shame I'd borne alone for years, able to confess my sin after 15 years of hiding my wretched past. Through reading, memorizing, dwelling on the Word of God in relationship with other believers, that's key, I came to a true understanding of the gospel. That is both a tragic and wonderful story. And you say, what does it have to do with this big announcement? Well, if you live in Northern Atlanta, you might want to hear our first announcement that there is an exploratory meeting that will be happening on April 29th. It is a Saturday afternoon to start a Bible-based church that helps people move from brokenness to wholeness in the northern suburbs. There are some good churches sprinkled around Atlanta, but it is a staggering drought, and we have seen a bit of a hole in the northern suburbs. So if you happen to be in Roswell, Crabapple, Milton, Alpharetta, Cumming, Johns Creek, that territory, and you're thinking, I'd love to be a part of a church that moves people from brokenness to wholeness, April 29th. Would love to see you there. Uh, how do you attend? Simply send a note. Here it comes. Dan, that's spelled Dan, as in D-A-N, at gospelpartnersmedia.org. Dan at gospelpartnersmedia.org. What do you say? Want to start a church that helps people move from brokenness to wholeness? We'd love it, and we'd love it if you could possibly attend Dan at gospelpartnersmedia.org. This is Wretched Radio. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from Preborn. 
I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched. Thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. First off, we want to say a huge thank you to all of you who enjoy our resources and listen to our programs. You know, it's because of folks just like you that we can continue to share the gospel far and wide. And speaking of the gospel, one of our listeners recently wrote in and said, thank you for preaching the truth and guiding me in developing a biblical lens. That's what it's all about. We love to hear testimonies just like that because we're on a mission to help people just like this and we need your help in order to do it. Have you ever thought about and prayerfully considered becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Look, there's no pressure, but it would be an amazing way for us to together reach millions. And let's be honest, who doesn't want to be a part of that? Jump on board. You can visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry. Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Important dates in Christian history. 1910 to 1915. The fundamentals are published and demonstrate the great divide in American Christianity, known as the modernist fundamentalist controversy. Fundamentalists began to set themselves apart from society as a witness for Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Wrong, wrong, wrong. My name is Pot. No, wait, I think it's Kettle. Mm, this is Wretched Radio. Don't you just hate it when you happen to have a personal peccadillo that you're able to point out, perhaps persistently, because it just gets up your nose. And so it is. With burying the lead, can't tell you how many articles I will read, both Christian and pagan, where the headline, it's compelling. You got me. They threw chum in the water and I went for it only to not find it until you get to just about the end of the article. They bury the lead constantly. And I think that I just did the very thing that I'm so want to criticize. Jimmy, I think I buried the lead on the church meeting announcement. Slightly. Just kind of <laughs> 
Big announcement 10 minutes later. So if you happen to live in the northern burbs of Atlanta and you'd love to be a part of an exploratory meeting to launch a Bible-based church that doesn't merely teach theology, that is our means. The end is to move from brokenness to wholeness to loving God more, desiring to please him and be obedient more, not because we got to, otherwise God is going to condemn us, but because God has been so kind to save us in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. If that sounds of interest to you, please note, this is intended to be a local church. And if you're in a good church already, don't you come to this meeting. You stay in your good local church. But for those who are looking around the northern burbs, so it's Roswell, Alpharetta, Crabapple, Milton, Cumming, Johns Creek, that territory, and you would like to be a part of a body, and I mean be a part of a body. We're not going to play on this deal. This isn't just going to be come and drink the milk. No, there is going to be an expectation of participation. The body working together as the body. Did you know that you have a gift, not just the gift of salvation, but you have a spiritual gift? Everybody at conversion gets a new one, a unique one. Now, this isn't something that you used to be able to do. Now you do it for the church. No, you didn't used to have such good skills in this territory, but now... You have a desire and an ability to fill in the blank with all of the spiritual gifts. We want you to exercise those gifts. And and we want others to exercise their gifts on you. That's what this church is about. Want to explore it with us? Send an email to dan at gospelpartnersmedia.org. Dan at gospelpartnersmedia.org. Jimmy. Yes. would that be the sound of you gloating that I kind of biffed it on the no, announcement? I would never, ever. No, come on. Just say it. <laughs> say it. You have to say it because I need a segue right now. <laughs> you messed up, Todd. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm not the only one. Got some emails about you, mister. What I do now? Specifically, the issue of Babylon B and their satire trying to dispel the myth that it was a conspiracy of the disciples to steal the body of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and then go about the business of being shellacked <laughs> for not great gain at all. And Jimmy, you said you thought that crossed the line into blasphemy. What? Did, did I say that? Yeah. Now, not everybody agreed with you. <sighs> Jimmy received this email from Bill. I'd argue that the Babylon beef skid is mocking the blasphemous idea of the disciples stealing the body of Jesus and helps people realize the ridiculousness of this idea. Now, if it had been Jesus instructing the disciples, that would have been blasphemous for Jesus to participate in kind of a spoofy sort of thing. But hey, if you like that, you can watch the chosen outtakes, all kinds of side-splitting bloopers from the character who plays Jesus. So Bill disagrees with you, but he wasn't the only one, Jimmy. Would you like to respond to Bill? Would you like to recant is what I'm saying. (laughs) Would I like to recant? (laughs) Yeah. No, probably not. Not yet. All right. Here's it. This Prepare yourself. This could be a trick question. Uh Somebody else asked this question. If what Babylon B did, and you, you can go find it on the YouTube machine and judge for yourself. 
If there's skit of the disciples saying, it was Peter leading the pack. Hey, I've got this idea. Let's steal the body. And then they're going to chase us, hunt us down and kill us. And all the disciples are like, woo, woo. And a couple of them are like, hold on a second. Um, What do we get out of this? Revealing they had nothing to gain from telling the truth that they saw Jesus Christ. He appeared to 500 people at one time after they had publicly not just executed him in private. It was a bloody, beating, and wicked, cruel crucifixion in public. They all saw it. I don't know if you've ever seen a dead body, but you can tell. Jesus died, but hundreds saw him rise from the grave. And that is why those eyewitnesses account, eyewitness accounts spread like wildfire, because they believed it, because they saw it and knew it to be true. That was Babylon B. Jimmy, here's the question somebody posed. If Babylon B crossed the line into blasphemy, what do you think about, oh, Patrick, that's modalism, the Lutheran satire bit <laughs> that shows, actually teaches on Trinitarian theology. Mm-hmm. Do you think that skit is blasphemous? Well, I don't remember that skit specifically. Is that right? Yeah. All right. It's uh, two guys, uh, I don't know, Conan and Ronan or something, and they're talking to Patrick. Oh, Patrick, that's modalism, trying to explain. Hold on. I got you covered here. Tell me if this is blasphemy. This is good teaching on Trinitarian theology. If it doesn't cross the line. Okay, Patrick, tell us a bit more about this Trinity thing. Yeah, Patrick, tell us. But remember that we're simple people without your fancy education and books and learning. And we're hearing about all of this for the first time. So try to keep it simple. Okay, Patrick? Yeah, real simple, Patrick. Sure, there are uh, three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, yet there is only one God. Don't get what you're saying here, Patrick. Not picking up what you're laying down here, Patrick. Could you use an analogy, Patrick? Sure. Uh, The Trinity is like uh, water and how you can find water in three different forms, liquid and ice and vapor. That's modalism, Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) That one substance appears in different manifestations at different times. What? Modalism, an ancient heresy confessed by teachers such as Noetus and Sibelius, which espouses that God is not three distinct persons, but that he merely reveals himself in three different forms. This heresy was clearly condemned in Canon 1 at the First Council of Constantinople in 381 AD, and those who confess it cannot rightly be considered a part of the church catholic come on patrick yeah get it together patrick uh, by the way uh, historically when the word catholic was used in any early creeds or council statements it was a small c they weren't referring to the vatican it in in italy they were thinking universal uh, okay uh then the trinity is like uh, the sun in the sky where you have the star and the light and the heat. Oh, Patrick. Come on, Patrick. That's Arianism, Patrick. Arianism? Yes, Arianism, Patrick. A theology which states that Christ and the Holy Spirit are creations of the Father and not one in nature with him. Exactly like how heat and light are not the star itself, but are merely creations of the star. That's a bad analogy, Patrick. You're the worst, Patrick. Are- <laughs> 
Jimmy? Yes? Am I seeing your shiny white teeth over there? Slightly. Is this blasphemy? I don't think so. Now then, why was the Babylon Bee blasphemous? I, I don't remember saying it was blasphemous. I see. I, I, no, honestly, I, I'm, I'm trying to think if you I You know did. what, Jimmy? Look, I'm your friend, and I'm here to help. So let me just help you with your career path forward. <laughs> okay. Should your days in radio come to an end? Uh-huh. Dude, politics. <laughs> you have politician written all over you. I've already turned that down. No. There was uh, another email if you're, are, do you want to defend yourself? No. Are you just crying uncle? <laughs> I just said I wouldn't do it. Another email correction. Oh, well, this will make you feel this will be like some salve to your to your wounded opinion of yourself. You keep saying the Benedict option. The, the you is me. Uh -huh. here, Jimmy. Yeah. Uh -huh. That was written by Ross Duthat, writer for The New York Times. The book was actually written by Rod Dreyer. And he's definitely Eastern Orthodox. Thanks for taking a moment to correct this, Tim. Well, thanks a lot, Matt, for the correction. <laughs> one, one more worthy note, because we were talking about Rosaria Butterfield's contention that it is actually a sin to use pronouns that are not accurate. We shared that information and received some emails from people saying, you know, I'm not, and I've got loved ones who think differently that are believers. Let me just, let me just offer this potential mm, Division saving word. That ain't something to divide over. Don't, don't get into fights over this. We're working through some of this new world business that we're confronted with. Pronouns, names, all of that stuff. What we do in the workplace, still working through it. Not, not quite ready to divide over issues like pronouns yet. This is Wretched Radio. Now it's time for a Wretched News Break on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. And we start in Ohio, you know, the state that's known for its Molotov cocktails. Yeah, not really, but it's definitely not known for its pyrotechnics. Well, one man's trying to change that. He attempted to commit arson at a church that was hosting a drag queen story hour. The FBI swooped in, and it was just in time, too. They prevented the church from becoming a modern-day burning bush. But, look, I don't like the drag queen story time's weirdness, and I'm not very fond of churches that participate in this, but we can't go around burning everything down that we don't like. That would just make us liberal. Okay, okay, settle down, settle down. I'm just being serious. Now to Texas, where everything's bigger, right? Even the legal battles. A Texas judge recently blocked an FDA approval of the Mifristone abortion pill, the murder pill, which is sparking a showdown between the Lone Star State and the Biden administration, with the White House gearing up for an appeal because, you know, murdering babies is the right of every American, right? There's, there's nothing more patriotic than baseball, apple pie, and the gut-wrenching, needless murder of innocent unborn babies. Just disgustingly sick. But in an uplifting story, at least someone thought it was, a federal inmate who calls themselves transgender finally received gender-affirming surgery. Oh, how nice. Hey, well, that's one way to say that this person's time in the clink was transformative. Yeah, not to just love when the government uses our tax dollars so wisely. 
And last week, North Dakota advanced 10 anti-LGBTQ bills in one day. It seems like North Dakota's determined to make a statement, and they're doing it with a lot of zeal. While in Kansas, lawmakers have approved a bill on live deliveries during abortions, proving that life still matters in the state of Kansas. And a public health announcement that will make you think twice about your next vacation destination. Apparently syphilis cases and babies have skyrocketed in Canada. So if you're planning a trip up north, probably want to pack some extra hand sanitizer just in case, you know. And finally, opponents are responding to a bill which is targeting anti-abortion pregnancy centers in Colorado. Now, this is a never-ending game of tug-of-war. We pass legislation, we appeal legislation. We pass legislation, we appeal legislation. Just a never-ending game of tug-of-war. But in this case, there's one side pulling to save lives, the other side's pulling to take lives. And that has been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio, straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. The Apostle John wrote a second epistle, which warned about false teachers who take advantage of Christian hospitality to spread false doctrine. As you continue to walk in love, be careful to distinguish between truth and error. False teachers have no fellowship with God. Therefore, God's people are to have no fellowship with false teachers. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Is there better news for a churchgoer to hear on an Easter Sunday morning than he is risen? Absolutely not. But did every Christian sitting in a church on Easter hear that good news? This is Wretched Radio survey says while 66% of U.S. adults believe the biblical accounts of Jesus' physical resurrection are accurate, most can't tell you its significance. Cool. So many have been marching with the tradition of the Protestant church, stating that he is risen. He is risen indeed. Why? Don't know. That's tragic. That is absolutely awful. And it is my experience, I grant you it's subjective, but nevertheless, repeatedly, constantly, over and over again, and redundantly, I hear people who go to church say, I don't know what the gospel is. And those who do oftentimes don't understand the depths and the profound nature of it. They don't grasp its current implications. Our Sunday service, one of its foci, because that's the plural of focuses, I guess. One of the foci was, what are the greater deeds that disciples are going to be able to do? Because Jesus was doing miracle after miracle after miracle. Mark is the gospel that perhaps captures this best, but all of them make it clear Jesus was a hard worker. I'm not kidding. When you consider all of the miracles that Jesus did from sun up until sundown, it has rightly been said that disease vamoosed while Jesus was on earth because he was eradicating it through complete, total, organic healings, not leg lengthening tricks and shenanigans. He was healing the blind, the deaf could hear, the lame could walk, the dead came back to life. And when you read the gospel accounts, bang, bang, bang. And didn't John say, if we recorded every single thing that Jesus did, all the libraries in the world could not contain everything that he accomplished. In other words, 
He worked hard. If you are trying to help your children grasp what it seems that is being downplayed these days in our culture, that we should be hardworking, the message of the world is play. Well, do the work you have to if you have to. But really, we should be about the business of having fun. Point them to Jesus. Help them to observe, whoa, he got up and he got after it. And he worked till sundown. And when the disciples even said, do you need some food? 15-minute union break? He wasn't interested. I've got food you don't know of. I am doing this spiritual work, and God is providing me with spiritual food to give me endurance because he worked hard. And in the midst of that, John chapter 14, he told the disciples, you're going to do greater things than you've seen me do. Now you say, how is that? Nobody's moved an actual mountain, and yet Jesus said, that's what you're going to be doing. So what are these works post-resurrection that are greater than the physical healing miracles? I would suggest to you spiritual healings. And I'm not just talking about salvation. I mean, that, that is probably the biggie, that God takes a dead person, makes them alive in Christ. And when you participate in that, when you share the gospel, when you train up your kids to love Jesus Christ, when you perhaps pass out gospel literature, which you can get at wretched.org, you are participating in the greatest miracle that, that a human being can participate in. You get to share the good news that brings dead people to life spiritually. That's bigger. Why? Because healing miracles, physical healing miracles, oh, believe me, they're nice. If you can't walk and now you can, you appreciate a physical healing, but everybody that Jesus healed died. So the physical healing, it was temporary. Spiritual healing, it's eternal. What else did the resurrection of Jesus Christ change when it came to doing great miracles? Not these signs and wonders. Oh, that's Acts 2. You, you can just look it up. The whole chapter is really, really good. He did miracles, signs, and wonders. Let's see if I can remember this from our Sunday sermon. Miracles were a revelation of power. Whoa. Signs communicated. Wonders made you respond in awe. And so the writer of Acts, Luke, he used all three miracles, signs, wonders. That's what Jesus was doing. He was doing miracles to authenticate the message of the messenger, to encourage people to believe in his words that he was teaching. And Jesus did oodles of them, but now post-resurrection. We're doing bigger miracles. How's about when you see somebody under your teaching, under your discipleship, who moves from being an angry man to being a kind man? Whoa, that's a big deal. And I'm not just talking about some sort of cognitive behavioral therapy where you pretend to suppress it and just mind over, now I got to snap my wrist with my rubber band. No, they genuinely become sweet. That is, a, that is a spiritual miracle of the highest order. And we get to participate in those. Furthermore, you get to see them. So many people these days, they want to see God at work. The best place to do that is to go to church and look around. 
and talk to people. If you're discouraged, here's what you can do. Go to church on Sunday and start cozying up to somebody. We're a chatty group, we Christians, and just say, hey, tell me, what's God been doing in your life? And let them tell you and go, all right, God is doing miracles. God is still working wonders. He is active. And I just got to hear about it and actually witness it because I go to church with this guy or guy yet. That is how we get encouraged. I, I noticed another, it's interesting, Jimmy, the uh, Nazarene University, another Nazarene University is claiming another revival is breaking oh, out. Another one. Because people just, they love it they, and they they want this. And here's the good news. It's not a terrible desire. And you can have it because God provides it. Post-resurrection, you get to see more glorious miracles than those who witnessed Jesus telling a man on his pallet to get up and walk. I mean, come on. That's like, whoa. You get to see greater miracles than that. When you see women who are struggling perhaps with anxiety and suddenly you observe them growing increasingly joy-filled, confident, unafraid. That is a sign and a wonder to you that God is working and he is doing big things in your presence if we would just have eyes to see. And yet so many people go to church And they don't witness those. They don't pay attention to those. They don't observe those. And they don't hear those. How encouraging from the pulpit would it be to say or to hear, there's a man in the church. And you can use his name or not, whether you have permission. (laughs) He was immersed in pornography. He was swimming in a sea of filth. He was immersing himself in garbage every single day. And he realized it was idolatry and that he was finding solace, comfort, and pleasure in something lesser than Jesus Christ. And now he has turned his eyes to Jesus and he stares at him with unveiled face. And he's being transformed from one level of glory to the other. Is it easy? No. it's not. Is it still a struggle? You bet it is. But he's having victory. And you should know that because there is power in our God that he grants to us. You don't have to sin. You don't have to. This is a message that does not get hurt often either. You don't have to sin. You only sin because you want to sin. You're, you're not a victim to circumstances. Well, if she hadn't dressed like that, I wouldn't have lusted. Well, she maybe shouldn't have dressed like that, but you didn't need to lust. She makes me so mad. No, she doesn't. Now, she might be agitating, but you're the one who gets unrighteously angry. She doesn't make you do anything because God has given you his Holy Spirit and he is at work in you and he does have the power and the strength to overcome your temptations and to eradicate even your besetting sins. And you and I should be pointing out those miracles with one another. And that is why when we sit around and we chat at church, I get it. I understand politics. We all share that. But in church, don't we share something better? And wouldn't we walk away more encouraged instead of having another conversation about Fauci or Biden or Pelosi? Talking about the work that Jesus Christ is doing in our midst. That he takes sinners, filthy, rotten, 
disgusting, evil sinners. He buys them back. And he redeems them. And he fills them with his Holy Spirit that he promised to send. And he's growing them and changing them. And if we fail to recognize that, mm, we're not going to be as encouraged as we could be. Furthermore, are we hearing the gospel and what the implications of the resurrection are today, regularly proclaimed from your church pulpit? If not, sadly, you'd be in the majority, according to this study. This is Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. All right, listen up, parents and married couples. We know better than anyone that there can be times of uneasiness in our homes. Well, if you're ready to revitalize and make a transformation in your family life, then I want to point you in the direction of Wretched.org for a new deal so good, you're going to think it came straight down from heaven. I'm talking about the Joy in the Home Bundle. In the bundle, you're going to find the Drive-By Marriage Audio Series, the Drive-By Marriage Study Guide, the Drive-By Parenting Audio Series, and study guide and last but certainly not least reset for parents now understand this isn't a magical potion that's going to make everyone in your home behave but it's the next best thing so what are you waiting for hurry up head over to wretched.org right now and jump on the path that's going to help you bring joy back into your home don't miss out it's wretched.org it's the joy in the home bundle on sale right now trust me you'll be thanking us later so, you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine. Then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, advances as the word of God advances. Would you please consider joining the Master's Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God it's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor. Wretched.org slash pastor for the Masters Academy International. Mexican. There are many words to help us understand the nature of the Bible. 
Words like sensus literalis. The Bible is to be read in the literal sense, the way the author and original audience would have understood it. There is no code, no secret meaning to be uncovered. The Bible is plainly written so that all people can know God through its pages. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You say Friel. I mean pot, kettle, whatever. Do you have an example about that of which you speak? How is that for not ending a sentence with a preposition? This is Wretched Radio. Indeed, I do. Regularly, people sitting in pews should hear the good news. Now, I grant you, it can be a challenge to present it in a fresh new way. But I have to tell you, I don't think it's necessary. It's it's not mandated because the good news that saved us, that has eternal implications for us and for the cosmos, the story never gets old. You, you don't need to put, I don't know, say pinwheels on the side of the sermon to make it attractive to people. It is all by itself. But if you're looking for a way to do that, that helps us to understand not just correct theology, but to love Jesus more. I got to tell you, this is, can it be an instant classic? I think that's an oxymoron. But if if any sermonette, a snippet could be an instant classic, well, I got to tell you, this one from Alistair Begg certainly would be right up there. Without the preaching of the cross, without preaching the cross to ourselves all day and every day, we will very, very quickly revert okay are you hearing that jimmy i am in the background oh it sounds like a train it sounds like they're in the old wretched studio (laughs) (laughs) used to drive us crazy what were we thinking well the answer obviously is nothing because we actually had our studio right next to the train tracks we just didn't realize they ran about every 15 minutes apparently that's the church that he's at now without the preaching of the cross without preaching the cross to ourselves all day and every day, we will very, very quickly revert to faith plus works as the ground of our salvation. So that to go to the old uh, Fort Lauderdale question, if you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, We've immediately gone wrong. Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. What an immense, I can't can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you were, you were, you were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend. You've never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You never, you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and yet, and yet you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. You know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What what do you mean you don't know? Well, because I don't know. Well, you know, (laughs) excuse me, let me get my supervisor. Then go get the supervisor, Angel. So we're just a few questions for you. First of all, 
are you are you are you are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? <laughs> the guy said, "I never heard of it in my life." And and what about? Uh, let's just go to the doctrine of scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually, in frustration, he says, "On on what basis are you here?" And he said, "The man on the middle cross said, I can come." <laughs> Come on. Come on. Tell me that doesn't just cause you to think even more grandly about your Savior? That he saves mightily? Those who have, at best, a mustard seed-sized faith. Now, now that's the, that is the only answer. That is the only answer. And if I don't preach the gospel to myself all day and every day, then I will find myself beginning to trust myself, trust my experience, which is part of my fallenness as a man. If I take my eyes off the cross, I can then give only lip service to its efficacy while at the same time living as if my salvation depends upon me. And as soon as you go there, it will lead you either to abject despair or a horrible kind of arrogance. Got to tell you, we see that, don't we? Do you recall the original story in which I buried the lead about the church plant exploration meeting, April 29th, Dan, at gospelpartnersmedia.org, that people who don't hear the good news that he really does save he really, really does. And he really does go into the gutters of your life and clean them out. And he keeps them clean. Uh, unlike a house that is underneath a bunch of trees whose gutters just are constantly needing to be. He keeps your gutters clean. Thank you. That was the worst sermon illustration ever. But that is what needs to be heard regularly or people will be miserable. And if they aren't perpetually reminded, oh, no, 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 no. Don't don't you forget the stumbling block that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing you've done, are doing, going to do, keeps you in right standing with God. Jesus did it. He's doing it. He's going to do it. And if we don't regularly proclaim that, then people will fall into the other ditch. Doing pretty good. Spiritually, you're growing. You know what? I'm, I'm growing. And I got to tell you something. Mm, those people at the church down the street, whoa, feel sorry for them, because I got to tell you, I've been reading systematic theology, and I know a lot, and I am persevering. Ditches abound if we don't regularly preach the glorious gospel and the glorious gospel implications. And it is only the cross of Christ that deals both with the dreadful depths of despair and the pretentious arrogance of the pride of man that says, you know, I can figure this out and I'm doing wonderfully well. No, because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. That's why Luther says most of your Christian life is outside of you in this sense. That we know that we're not saved by good works. We're not saved as a result of our professions. But we're saved as a result of what Christ has achieved. 
Hopefully, your church is regularly preaching the glories of the cross. Does that mean at the exclusion of theology? No, because I got to tell you, this particular headline, uh, Jesus Resurrection, two-thirds of Americans say, yeah, biblical accounts are accurate. Here's a continued problem with those people's profession. 53% stated that the Bible, similar to other holy texts, includes ancient myths and should not be taken literally. That's a problem. While 40% believe that modern science refutes the contents of the Bible. That's a problem. So that doesn't mean we don't teach theology, but theology isn't the end. Teaching isn't the end. They are means. The end is appreciating God more for what he has done by sending his son out of his great love and compassion and pity for sinners. In other words, to quote Luther again, which was fascinating. If you've never seen that Al Begg video, I'm pretty certain he's preaching in front of a group of independent fundamentalist Baptists. So when he mentioned the name of Luther, (laughs) Some eyes turned in his direction that the Christian life, it can be like a drunken man on a horse, falls off the left side, gets up, falls off on the right side. We don't want to do one at the exclusion of another. We need theology. We do, but not in and of itself. We need it to do something for us. Because remember, that's that's what Romans 5, 1 and 2 tells us, that the gospel, it brings us into a relationship with God. Now, imagine that you got brought into a relationship with somebody groovy on this earth and you you studied about them, but it never caused you to actually care about them more and desire to do things for them more. Didn't stir your affections more. You'd go, well, congratulations. You've got an encyclopedic knowledge of that person, but what's the point of it all? Ditto. When it comes to theology, we're brought into a relationship with God I can't help but think of Milton Vincent talking about the, it's an introduction. It's as if Jesus takes you by the hand and introduces you to the Father, and you go with fear and trepidation, and Jesus says, no, 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 he actually he wants to be with you. He wants to be in relationship with you, and you can stay as long as you want. That's what theology should do for us. So let's help these folks who claim that the Bible is, you know, just like other textbooks, that they're confused about different doctrines, to be certain, but not as mere correctives, but as fuel to pour onto even just a a, a burning wick to ignite their love for God. That is the purpose of theology. And until tomorrow, did I mention church plant meeting April 29th, Dan, at gospelpartnersmedia.org. Go serve your king.